It's now of the princess night. Da, 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 da. And then I am strong. I, I'm excited to talk about TV shows, and this is what we're talking about, right? Because this is all I watch are Tyler shows. My heart is strong. I am the princess knight. You are. You are. Every show is about a female taking on traditional male roles. Okay, let, let's start off a TV show episode. What's What's your favorite kids episode? That you can tolerate, kids show that you can tolerate. Uh, I would say the only one that I can truly tolerate. <sighs> okay, so this is going to sound weird. So, okay, so we're doing a show today's on <laughs> TV shows. So, yeah. Okay, don't judge me. Bluey, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the standard. But like, everybody's gotten over Bluey, and I am too. Uh, in, in, in the sense that, like, I'm not like itching to watch it. Like, some, and I, 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 I was there. I mean, I have sobbed multiple times at Bluey, so like outright weeping. Have you seen the GIF where like the dad is talk, like the grandfather is talking with the mom about the kids, and then it morphs into the grand. I'm about to choke up crying about this. And then, it, and then it morphs into the grandfather was with the mom when the mom was a kid, and they're like uh-huh. sitting there. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm like, I'm legit getting tears. Yeah, the the writers are good for that show. Yeah, do you know? So the writing guy, he's a partner of, I mean, not a life partner. Although I think Takita Watiti goes a lot of different ways. So perhaps <laughs> one point in time, but like <laughs> they are. Oh yeah, I now know what a polyamorous relationship is because of him. Um, do, do they have a? It wasn't because of Will Smith's wife, Jada. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, what a world! What a world we live in, everyone. No, he's like he's part of like the like comedy slash like slash like writing group of the uh, Fly of the Concords guy Takito oh, yeah. Watiti. They all like are friends in New Zealand, so oh, he's kind of of that cool. crew. Yeah, I, I like he's like the guy. He is the guy that like created Blue and Vine. So, okay. isn't he Catholic? I heard someone saying that he was Catholic. Like he's like a very devout Catholic. I would be shocked if he was like a very devout Catholic. But that's what I heard. Okay, I just want to. Yeah. I just want to hurt. I mean. We'll just claim everyone while we're at it. Chris Pratt makes one tweet. We're like, oh, my gosh. he's." <laughs> Although I presume that he has listened. So, Chris, I love you. We are the same person but as if you had gotten. But you're me if I got into much better shape. <laughs> and that's all because of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. What man. What, what a, I love Chris Pratt so much. It's just like too. so much of what he does. I'm like, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. I do no, too. Okay. So, Everly. Okay. So, <sighs> she has a show that she watches. It's called Marvelous. It is beyond weird. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. Have your kids? Okay, so my youngest is eight. Okay, it seems like it was very popular in like the aught, like like the twenty tens ish. It's the kids look very emo, mm-hmm. and they're like these high school kids, and one of them has powers, and they all have these powers to be transform into um superheroes. It is a, from what I understand, a South mm-hmm. Korean show that takes place in Paris that is dubbed in English. <laughs> that's what i understand success. and so it, like <laughs> the boy superhero is in this cat outfit where the only way like i don't know how else to explain it when he's it's very just like it's a lot of leather with like a tail and very effeminate it's just it's 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 something and she like the young somehow, boy is a leather daddy <laughs> somehow found this show and it's for kids like she loves it and i like kind of and there's just like somewhat ongoing like narrative where the main bad guys that there are like two main i'm super superheroes there is the ladybug lady and the cat guy and the ladybug lady because like everyone will call it the ladybug show she'll just go i'm mm-hmm. um, ladybug ladybug fat boy i'm like okay um <laughs> no no <and>, fat boy <laughs> yeah and so there's 
the cat guy's dad's the main bad guy, mm. but they don't know that's his dad until like later on in the show. So dun, spoiler dun, alert. Dun. Yes, and then the main two characters, the girl has a crush on the boy, but not she doesn't know he's the superhero. And the boy has a crush on the superhero girl, but doesn't know that his girlfriend, his like best girlfriend, is th- the superhero girl. So it's like a love triangle without being a love triangle. <laughs> like they both are in love with each other, but like a different version of the other. Of the, yeah. They don't know. And so, and like you slowly, slowly get, it gets closer, like the dad finding out that his son is the thing. And they're like, so there's like a little bit of like a broader there's some drama. There's some tension. And I just hate how much I'm paying attention to it. <laughs> I happens. hate it. That was me I hate with it so much. That was me with, oh gosh, what show was that? What you're describing sounded like the PJ, oh man. Oh, PJ remember. Mask? Yeah. Where they, they all go out in the middle My of the night. My nephew loves that. Yeah. But, oh gosh, what show is like probably like the Backyardigans where the kids are watching and they do a lot of like sing along stuff and they have these adventures in their backyard and it's all imagination land. <laughs> I would go and I would watch this. I'd be like, oh, Backyard Games is on. And I'd like sit down. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's going on now? But there's no overarching narrative. It's just every episode's different. But yeah, so fun. Oh, it's so. I, I'm trying to find the Marvelous show. I think it's what it's called, but it, I can't find it. It's just so weird. So it's weird. So weird. But yeah, so anyways, like, so we're in, she's into that. She's in Tanella, the Princess Knight. Real, she's also into Gabby's Dollhouse, which is weird. It's a Netflix show that feels like they took inspiration from YouTube. Mm. I, I've created a rule for Everly. Tell me what you think about this. Where she started to want to watch toys, like toys show, like stuff on YouTube about people playing with toys, yeah, like, like Playtime or whatever that has like yeah. ten million views per show. So I've really put it. I put it like I only. I, I am. I don't learn hardly anything. That she, I mean, she, this girl has watched episodes of The Simpsons, okay? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and she has tried to get me to watch them, but she doesn't want to go to bed. She'll go, Simpsons, Simpsons. I'm like, no, I know what you're doing. We're going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show her select episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah. But, I mean, there there is Minnie's Bowtoon. She is obsessed. That's funny. With Minnie Mouse. So, anyways. Yeah, I think you this, told us that before. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Okay. There's a show, and it's like the person playing with these toys. And I'm I'm like, you get 10 minutes of that because I feel like it's replacing playing with toys. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want it to do that. And I feel like yeah. it's giving her the same thought of like, as if she was playing. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to watch Daddy's Airstream stuff. And I was like, is, is this the same thing? Is this the same thing? Is this just the same thing? But in de- like, it is. It is, is so the, true. It is the exact same thing. <laughs> Unless you get an airstream, yeah. Which I did the math. I know how much it would it would cost me to do. Can't do it right now. Could do it in the not too distant future. <laughs> so, like, I watched an hour of this before I went to bed last night. And I was like, "What do you do, Luke? Like, you have? I mean, I'm 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 like a stickler with her. I'm like, you you get ten minutes maybe of this, and then it's like you know, and I like it's the same thing. What is the difference? Yeah, you know what is the difference? It's funny. The idea for this show came to me. When I was watching the last episode of Monarch on Apple TV's Monarch, which is the Godzilla universe thing, and I'm so happy that you texted that you, you're up to date with it and you finished it, but the, Luke, can you think of the most Luke scene in Monarch? Oh, that's a good question, because I, I basically binged it over the weekend. Like, okay. funny, I, I had Everly, too, somehow, and I made the time to do that. <laughs> time to watch hour-long episodes, nine-hour-long episodes. Uh, 40 minutes. 
49 minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> For, well played, well played. Thanks. I know, like, nap time. I was like, man, I really should have done this laundry during during oh, nap time. What was I? Uh, I was watching Monarch. Um, <laughs> so just think, last, it might be the second to last episode. I think it was the last episode, though. The most Luke moment. Oh my gosh! I'm trying. I I I'm really drawing a blank the whole time. I'm like Luke, 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 Luke. And it's literally from what you just said. My microphone is doing it again. I apologize. Yeah, fix it. It's so annoying. I don't. I don't know. I'm really. I'm drawing a blank. I'm so sorry. Whenever they show the characters dropping through the hole in the ground portal into the under under Earth, yeah, and all the you all the government people are there to watch it, right? And they're all like looking like astronauts going to load up in this capsule and drop. There's a scene where the camera is going backwards as I move backwards away from the microphone. The camera is moving backwards as you're following these astronauts walk through and airstream after airstream oh, yeah, after that's true. Air, airstream. It I was stainless that. Yeah. steel from front to back. There was like 12 was like, of them. <laughs> you know what's funny? During that show, I was like, oh, they clearly use like the flying cloud here. I could tell by like <laughs> the leather on the couch. I was like, well, that's that's one. That's a much more a model. They, they just replaced the stove. <laughs> that's all they've really done there. And I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. Oh, that's really funny. The whole and I was literally going to say something to Shannon and be like, man, Luke would love this episode because I just imagine seeing you pop out one of the doors and be like, what's going on here? Oh, hey, well, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you look a lot like Kurt Russell. Are you? OK, whatever. All right. eh, you look like Captain America. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what a weird arc. Yeah, that seemed yeah. very rushed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I just thought, I just thought it was so funny seeing that, and I was like, oh, I should talk to Luke about Monarch, see if he's watched it. He did. So I got, I got my family. So when I saw the previews for it, I was like, oh man, those movies were were kind of terrible. But I, I have a soft spot for those kind of big monster movie stuff. Same, yeah, same. And so. uh the kids have all seen on YouTube the trailers for the Godzilla vs. Kong and all this stuff. And one day I was like, we, we always do Gormley family movie night, and it's like a war. Like, oh, I would do this. I hate all your stupid movie toys. So I said, <laughs> Let's you know begin! Yeah. <laughs> I said, we are going to watch the Godzilla movie. And we're going to watch it because I know that that Godzilla movie, the 2014 whatever, is not that scary. Like the mm-hmm. Godzilla, in fact, the number one criticism of it is you hardly ever see Godzilla and the monsters fight. Yeah. You know, for the first yeah. hour, it's like Brian Cranston and all that stuff. But I, I, I remember enjoying that movie even. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. And I thought it was always so funny. Godzilla savior or menace as the, as it's walking back into the ocean after killing. Yeah. The, yeah. So whatever. So, uh, the kids, we watched it. I had just bought a new sound bar and subwoofer. <laughs> and so I cranked it up to six, shook the whole house. It was hysterical. And I'm like, this is how you watch television. This We're doing this. How. Yeah. And I bought a 65 inch or 70 inch TV for a room that should have no bigger than a 55 inch. <laughs> and so it's like kind of uncomfortable. I was like, it's like a movie theater. <laughs> Don't judge me, honey. But the kids like freaking loved it. And I was like, well, the next one is called Skull Island. And that's about King Kong. And that, if I remember right, that has like a lot more gruesome parts that yeah. you shouldn't really yeah. see and so i was like so do you guys want to watch it so the next friday do you guys want to watch this so <laughs> knowing that what do you children want no, knowing that i'm going to put you in the driver's seat so you as get all the blame and as we all know parents are supposed to have kids make their own uh, their own <laughs> choices and whatnot so knowing this is insanely violent young children would you like to watch this or this other thing it's either this or the dark knight <laughs> again <laughs> 
No, so we watch it, and I remember the parts where, like, the, the one part that's really gross is there's a spider that has legs like tree trunks, and there's spikes. Yeah. And it went, like, through a guy's mouth, and I knew where that part was. So when that part happened, I was like, guys, look away. Watch this part, kid. This part's great. Yeah. <laughs> this part's all. Oh, I freaking love it. You probably have nightmares. Oh, and it happened. I shouldn't have been talking. <laughs> no, so that part was, like, gross, and there was a couple stuff like that, but they, like, freaking loved it. And then uh, I skipped Godzilla King of Monsters because I remember that being so stupid. And so we watched and said Godzilla vs. Kong, which was the actual movie that they wanted to watch in the first place. But I'm like, no, there's a universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's Michael Gormley. Right. Oh we can't gosh. enjoy a thing without enjoying all <laughs> the things around the thing. Man, that's like that true, like ADHD, ADHD, <laughs> wow. AMDG must be a household filled with people with ADHD because that's something we would all have, we would have done in college. Like, well, we've got it. I mean, you know, if we're gonna buy a yeah. uh, guitar here, we might as well get rock band and you know learn how to play <laughs> everything and sometimes two at the same time. <laughs> facts, facts are facts. Can't just you know, can't just go easy on, on this. Nope. And so, all or then, nothing. Yeah. Then we watched. So we went right to Godzilla vs Kong, and they were talking about it, and they they were very confused by the. Hong, what was it hong kong to new york or something like that portal through the earth and like all this and then mecha godzilla starts and they're like wait he has the brain of another muto like what's the and i was like yeah that's the three-headed dragon thing from the last movie that we didn't want so then i was like you know what okay we'll watch it we'll watch it but then monarch came out and so we were watching the monarch episodes it comes out every mm-hmm. friday i think they had two episodes and then it was every friday so every yeah. friday gourmet family movie night is monarch so we've nice. been watching that bass turned up. And then um, when I was like, you know what, guys, I'm I'm going away. I'm going to be gone at Seek. So and we're, we were going to have a we had gone out for New Year's Eve and all stuff. I was like, why don't we watch Godzilla King of Monsters? So I put it on. And again, it's like the Dark Knight Rises. They were like, why did you keep this glory from us? They freaking <laughs> loved awesome. it. Yeah. They loved it. They loved the whole thing. They loved the underground temple where Godzilla bathes himself in radiation and they loved it. And, and so, <laughs> so it was just, it was funny. And I was pointing out the stuff that I hated about it. Like, yeah, it, it was funny. I also had a moral theology moment because one guy lays down his life in order to save everyone. But later on, a woman does it, but she really does it out of guilt for the way she treated her family and the way she is responsible for the death of hundreds of millions of people around the world. Um, and she's like, no, I'll go do it. And she goes, but dad, isn't that the woman being heroic? I'm like, no, all they have to do is get on the plane and they fly away to safety. She's not doing anything. The evil that will happen is not a side effect. It's directly willed by her. Whereas the other guy, he's doing a thing, detonating a nuclear bomb so that it can revive Godzilla and he could save everyone. He is trying, he is doing the thing. And the side effect is the loss of his own life, right? But the salvation of tens of millions. And so we had this like great moral theology conversation about the principle, of the double effect and all this stuff, but it was it, okay. That was, so that was a gourmet moment. And then, uh, <laughs> but then we've been watching. Your kids are going to be so cool at Franciscan. <laughs> <laughs> My kids are going to be the coolest homes. They're going to have to go there. Gonna, <laughs> it's going it's to be gonna go to a, a rough couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, I, I want to go to UT. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. You will die. You will literally yeah, die yeah, the first week. Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But no, Dad, I could teach him about the moral theology of... Let uh, me tell you about a magical place where you can be popular for being like this. (laughs) This is what got Daddy all of his money for years and years. Um, Imagine a place where it's cool to be a youth minister. Imagine. (laughs) The coolest people you know are youth ministers. Where everyone goes through like a phase where they think they're called to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Love you, Francesca. <sighs> Give us money. <laughs> beautiful. 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 Love you so much. Yeah. So yeah. so you like Monarch. The the one thing I, I do, the thing I don't like about Monarch, and this is where this to me, this is what separates like fun but not really like great TV from great TV, is there's always this thing, these like Hollywood ism tropes that I think like in it they're cheap ways to build tension that mm-hmm. that honestly when I see it, I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. Like when people make decisions that no normal human being would make. Yeah. Like so, so the story follows these two people who are half brother, half sister. They didn't know of their uh, existence of each other, and they're trying to find their dad who was lost after Godzilla, known as G Day, when uh, he hits uh, Godzilla hits San Francisco in the first Godzilla movie. So it's like all this. Te- so I enjoyed the tension of like, oh my gosh, my dad had a whole other family. Like that yeah. was interesting. Like them yeah. finding each other out, the women living, the wives somewhat living in like self imposed denial. So there was cool elements there, but then it was like stupid teenager angst and like that's just like so over the top where it's like there was a oh, lot of like oh dad ah dad oh goodness yeah. like well, i think if you were fling a monster you wouldn't be dealing with your daddy issues at this point in time right. i could be wrong right but, but yeah. then it's like they go all over the world to find their dad and then their brain is then they see it and he drives away and then they're just like well i hate him now i am done with him and you're like what oh well, you know what? And, and so, I mean, massive spoilers for Monarch, obviously. And just yeah. spoilers for everything. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This is, yeah, but this is not the kind of show I think that we need to worry about. People yeah, no, like, not really. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my. I. So I like that idea. I, I, I like had a dream about it where I like woke up and I thought, like, what if this is actually like two different people? Like, he's like somehow that's created like a parallel person. Mm. And now they're leaving two different lives because somehow he went through how whatever, like how somehow Kurt Russell's young, right? Yeah. Youngish for what, what he should be. And I loved how they like, there's this great line. Um, well, actually, first, to, to your point, the writers from from South Park, one of the greatest shows of all all time. I uh, saw this clip of them talking. If you ever want to like hear really smart people talk about how to make TV, watch anything about how they make their stuff. It's phenomenal. It wasn't called Six Days. That well, that's awesome, that's that documentary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. That's it's called um that is called Six Days to Air about how they created an, an episode of um South Park that's ready to go within one week. Yeah. It's that's incredible. But then yeah. um uh there's the, a YouTube clip. Or I think I saw it on Instagram. It was like a real or or like I'm um, saying they, they talk about like this is really the difference between good writing and and bad writing. And I'm gonna get this kind of wrong. I I would imagine, but it's pretty interesting. We're basically bad like you know like bad writing is thing a happens and then thing and thing b happens then thing c then c then thing d and they're not really connected good writing is a happens and because of a b b happens or say then like b happens but then you have c so then like what now they're Mm -hmm. all like one thing um leads into the next or this one thing happens, but then what happens to this one thing if we interject this crazy, um, random thing there? So it's not these like random plot points or or emotional beats you want, but they all fit. And I thought that was really interesting. And like, and I and I started to like pay. It's like you're really good. You're really good stories. It's not and then and then and then and then right. and then. It's this happens, and because of this that that happens but then what happens to this thing of this thing that you know like right so it's not about the thing happening it's about the consequence it's all about the consequence 
mm. of all of all of these things. And there's a great one of my honestly, it's one of my favorite parts in Monarch was it's in episode um nine. This is the most um, recent one where it, it's going to uh, Hiroshio. I forget his name, but it's um the guy from it's like the dad, and it's it is a flashback to when he met the, the his Japanese wife in in Japan. And she talks about how isolated people do terrible things when they are in pain. Yeah, I love like that something. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is the same guy. He's this is not a parallel thing. He is. He is. He has two different lives, and he's doing this because he's in a, a tremendous amount of pain. Because this is a person who has lost everyone. Yeah, everyone in in you know, like if you look at Monarch, it's, and I really do kind of. I mean, this is it's borderline cheesy, but I love the name. I think the only reason why they called it like so it's actually called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And I think they call it that. Well, so okay, so here's the practical part is there's already a show called uh called Monarch. But hmm. I think why they use that title then as like like subtitle is the legacy is this like like if you look at what is th- uh, what is th- what is like legacy of these three people who were arguably trying to do? They had very good intentions, but they lead a legacy of monsters. Or there's it, it is, or if you look at the institution of like a monarch, it has done um, monstrous um things in yeah. in their lives. It's essentially not killed all of them, but it has. I mean, every of the main th- of the main three people in the beginning, they're all presumed dead at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, that's right? a good point. That's and a then really the impact good point. Of, of that on yeah. like everyone's lives. Like, what are the monsters of that? Like, what are the monsters they've created within their own lives and the lives of others by doing what they are doing? Yeah. And then there's the monsters that they may, or you know, like that they may have actually had a hand in bringing them about as they were trying to see if they existed. Mm. Or if, so it's it's really yeah. I, I kind of like to me it's one of those shows where it's not great. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not yeah. at its peak. It's not like, oh my gosh, this is just telling a phenomenal story. It's telling an interesting story with good enough characters and okay to great acting. Mm-hmm. And I think the bulk of the acting is probably either due to the bad writing or not the best writing, or <laughs> I'm not convinced. Like, so like the the guy who plays the 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 japanese kid at times i feel like his acting is super bad but when he's not speaking he's actually great yeah i think his emotional heft is pretty cool yeah i think the the japanese girl is very pretty yeah very pretty yeah the literally when her lesbian her token lesbian scene (laughs) came up my my kids were like why did they put this in here i was like well because welcome to the 2020s yeah yeah (laughs) complexity yeah, and the uh, the scene actually, it, 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 the the first lesbian scene where you find out that she's a, a girlfriend to a teacher at the school. At first, I was like, okay, whatever, this is the. And then she wakes up G Day in bed with another woman, and you're like, mother, ah! So you got to watch out for that. It's like an episode seven or six, or something yeah. Like that. But but then like they, they they haven't really gone back to because impli- like no so no because everyone's she's, dead. <laughs> she's cheating on the other oh woman yeah, right yeah was, yeah right and, so it's trying to show yeah. you like her personality so and then she loses both of those people on g day as well as watching all of her kids in a school bus which is horrific yeah 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 and that and that's where i i like like one of the things i really enjoy about a monarch it kind of goes back to that like other um south park thing it's like because this monster attacked these are the things that happen and because of that 
yeah. this is the consequences. But yeah. like, but what if this girl's dad was involved? But what if she, you know, and like that's what yeah. I mean. But that's like the good kind of beats. But then sometimes I feel like because like you can have both, right? And like sometimes yeah. some of the emotional reaction of the characters is not really in response to anything. Yeah. It's more just like, and now's the time to be upset about this. Yeah. There's like, a plot oh, point that we need really, to get to. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really fit. Like, but as a, I mean, I would say to me, it's like if I had to give the show a, gr- a grade, it's like a solid, I wouldn't say it's like a B movie. I guess it'd be like a B movie, but it's, I mean, th- this is not going to inspire a lot of other stuff, but it's, I would tell people like, watch this. It's pretty great. It has like yeah. an eighty six percent from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I typically don't pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually pretty pretty fair. Yeah, I would go with that. I would definitely, I would definitely go with that. I think sometimes the acting and the writing, like, um, yeah, some of it is just it's the monarch, uh, the woman who's in charge at Monarch. Like sometimes they just feel they're so artificial as villains. And then okay, this is the part where you need to have sympathy for the villain, and they're not really villains. It's just life's complicated. But you you do get that feeling of these are plot points points. that just have to happen and so you know and it reminds me a lot of um the youtube channel pitch meeting when they make fun of stuff because you see it all the time and it's like well why did that person do that stupid thing and it's like because we needed him to in order to advance the plot and they're like no ready then you know and it's like yeah that half the time half this stuff happens because it's like well we just need this is where a monster comes up yeah and we haven't had a monster in 10 minutes of runtime so let's add a monster And now for a brief message from the sponsor of this show. Steubenville conferences are where teens go to experience a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. They will have three days of amazing speakers like Gomer, everyone's favorite Gomi pops. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Uh, three Three days of amazing speakers, opportunities for powerful worship, adoration, holy mass, confession with hundreds of other teens. You don't go to confession with hundreds of teens. I mean, like you stand in a line near them, but you don't all, it's not like a group confession. Let me tell you my favorite thing as a speaker there, I've been doing it. I've been a speaker, I think for seven years now, my first year, it was me, father, Mike Schmitz and Jackie and Bobby angel is fantastic. Had a blast. Uh, the facet. Oh, and Katie, praise McGrady. Super fascinating because you get to see kids who are excited to go to confession and they're in high school. So there are dates throughout the summer in locations across the country I know one of mine will be Steubenville, Rochester, so that's going to be cool. These conferences have been running literally for decades. That's where Luke's mom and dad met each other. Tens of thousands of Catholics across the United States will tell you their life completely changed when they first encountered Christ at a Steubenville conference. I love the Steubenville conferences because behind the scenes, us speakers do more praying and fasting and talking through and planning and all of this stuff. It's a it's a powerful group event that it's it's a dynamic that's unlike any of the other conferences i've ever done so click the link to learn more about the Steubenville youth conference it's going to be awesome right now they're running a giveaway for two free youth conference tickets so whether you're a parent and you want to take your son or daughter and a friend or the youth leader who wants to jumpstart your fundraising click the link to enter your chance to win and this is only for the january episodes of catching foxes fancy special our thanks to the Steubenville youth conferences where you can encounter Christ in three days. Beautiful. Special thanks to the Steubenville Youth Conferences and the amazing program they put on. And I, I think a lot of that, like, so one of the things, I'm, I'm actually really excited to, to talk about TV. I know we've talked a ton of, about this, about like movies in, in the past, or we talked about film as a medium, but not really television as one for the most part. And I think yeah. TV, so there, there's this old adage where you, you, you go, 
so if you look at so plays are an actor's medium uh film is a director's medium and tv is a writer's medium hmm. I like and that. i think that's super true and but one of the challenges with tv is like you got to do a lot in a very tiny amount of time and so that's often like pretty difficult and i think so like sometimes that either happens like in editing or like like i don't think these um let me let me put it this way just in case greg iwinski is listening um one way to go greg on your strike stuff that was awesome greg do you know how big like big he was in that he was like one of the main people who was like who was actually who was actually who was actually like who was actually he was like negotiating on behalf of the writers the whole guild with the studios yeah yeah wow yeah so call that i'm captain fox's bump <laughs> yeah we will somehow take credit for that like these are all good writers okay i want to be very clear like, like this is not like and i would imagine like sometimes it's just, this is just what we had this is what we had to do we had to because of time or like whatever you know like they all like these people they know what they're doing way more than you know yeah we do it's just like it's a it's just a you know it's just a consequence of you know or whatever and i'm yeah. sure, i mean there, there could be a thing where it's just they're just not good but i don't think that's the case i think these are probably very good writers yeah who and just, studio studio intervention oh no like, yeah absolutely like hey absolutely. we need no this is a this is a story we need more monsters yeah. here here and here Make it happen. You're like, oh, well, you know, or like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Apple and Airstream have some deal. I forget. I don't know what it is. There's some, I know there's some connection with Apple and Airstream. I don't remember like what it is, but like, that's probably why you had the Airstreams there, you know, and everyone like one thing to the kind of, uh, kind of, I don't know. This really bothers me a bit about like sometimes in TV where like some of the, you know, like the anti capitalism slash anti tech bro stuff you see on a lot of things mm-hmm. like there's the, the big evil tech group aet or you know whatever yeah and mark and i'm like remind me again who's paying for the show <laughs> like who's behind all this oh tim cook apple okay right right yeah yeah like i, I don't think apple's an evil corporation per per se the level of like a google or something but like they're not that far off either. Like, like you know, like yeah. the, with with some of their um, labor practices and, and yeah. other things like that. Hey, so people at like, Foxconn are jumping off the building, killing themselves. What are we going to do? Apple pays for nets to catch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe exactly. maybe like a giant funnel at the end to put them right back into their chair. <laughs> That's designed by Johnny Ives. <laughs> yeah. This is the best. There are no net. edges. <laughs> <laughs> we've, beveled, yeah, we've beveled all the corners at a perfect 45 <laughs> degrees with this. <laughs> Swedish aluminum that then puts them back in their seat and they are alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like as a whole, like you I'm enjoying the show and I would assume you are too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, it's like I haven't really watched a lot of TV in a while because of grad school and life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm kinda now like, you know what? I want to get but like it's it's time. So I know you've watched a couple other stuff, but I'd be curious to know what other things you are watching. Yeah, so Shannon and I finished nineteen twenty three. Which is, what is the, the the middle prequel of Yellowstone. So Yellowstone <laughs> with Kevin Costner is on was it's on season five now. That's uh, amazing. That's the most season, married couple well, thing ever. Yeah. So season uh, I, I was talking to my brother who's watched every episode of Yellowstone. He's like, season one through three or one through four was like the best television he's seen in a long time. And then the last season sucked. And then, and what I heard, and this is not me doing a ton of research. I, it was like on a podcast where they were talking about 
like uh work like this guy it, it was uh cal newport's podcast and he was talking like oh do you hear what happened because there's one writer for all three shows 1883 1923 Whoa. and yellowstone so yellowstone got so famous the studio comes to him and says we want which is mtv studios which is wild to me we want really a, yeah we want you to do a prequel huh. and then i think the story is he pitched them two prequels the 1883 of this family that runs Yellowstone arriving in America and all this stuff, a Wild West kind of thing. And then 1923 with them um, having to fight off the big banks and land developers and all this stuff and a mine. And it all takes place as they're electrifying Montana. And then Yellowstone, of course, the show with Kevin Costner. So who is the star? It's Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. And when I was like, wait, Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford. I thought it was Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's Yellowstone. This is 1923, oh, the prequel. Oh, oh, I'm and, sorry. I'm sorry. And and, and and so we watched the show. Get on with your bad self. Yeah, we watched the first episode. Now, the or we watched the first season, which is only one season. But I'll say this. It is Game of Thrones in 1923. That's so all. Oh, okay, now I want to watch. It's about these political power moves and all this stuff. There's, there's two storylines. There's the storyline that revolves around Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, and it takes place with their ranch during a time of pestilence when the locusts have eaten all the thick grass that the cattle feed on, and they have to go take the cattle elsewhere. The cattle are thin, cows are dropping, um, and then they get into a fight with the the sheep herder, and it's like epic fight, and it's it's crazy. That's amazing. It is crazy. That's like some serious stuff back and then. Th- but this yeah. is real. Like yeah. this is part. So I have a friend that moved to Wyoming, and I went to Wyoming. A Wyoming license plate has like a cowboy, and I was like, Wyoming's more cowboy than Texas. And they were like, Do you understand? Like Texas cattle, like for for like a century, would get you know like the the Wyoming cattle would be driven down into New Mexico and Texas during the winter months, and then driven back. Like this is these are the cattle trails. That's why there's such a big like rodeo culture and ranch culture in Texas, mm-hmm. and Wyoming. So in yep. Montana and all this stuff. So that's basically what the show's out. But it's like when there's no grass to feed, you got a bunch of people with sheep and a bunch of people with cattle and the cattle kind of own everything, the cattle ranchers, then it's like war and they do these horrible things and it's very vindictive. Well, now the banks are coming in. So there's this whole thing. Then there's a thing of Harrison Ford's brother who's in Africa and he's running from his family, running from his life. And he's a badass hunter. And he hunts uh, on, he hunts for different people. Basically, it's like British colonization areas of Africa. And he kills like these crazy game that are like killing people out in there. So it's his storyline. He falls in love with this woman, blah, blah, blah. And she's British kind of aristocracy. And then this kind of battle happening. And it's fascinating because Helen Mirren is writing to him to tell him of all the woes that have happened to them and the family. And she, and they don't have kids, Harrison Ford and Helen. They don't have kids, so there's like nephews involved and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, please come home and help us. So that's kind of the tension going on. And then there's a random story that I'm sure makes sense if I've seen Yellowstone about the Indians suffering in Montana. And it is about like just how shitty we treated the Indians throughout the, and the reservation, all this stuff. But it revolves around this one girl in a Catholic school run by nuns. And they just beat the shit out of this girl over and over and over again. And then the priest, uh, the girl like jumps and beats up the nun. And then the priest who comes in, he beats up the nun for having no mercy. And the, you know, it's all this stuff. And it is extremely violent. 
and it is Ugh. extremely like it's just awful. There is not a single thing that I can think of that depicts Catholics looking worse than what is happening. I mean, this poor girl, yeah. she's oh, like, I, I think she's supposed to be 16. I mean, she's obviously an adult, but basically the, the Irish nun is like, I will beat the savage out of you so that you can become a decent woman and all this stuff. So it's, it's also this third storyline of the natives trying to keep their identity in the midst of an Americanizing, Americanizing frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so the themes are like them dealing with modernism. So they're going to electrify the world. They're electrifying. They're they're bringing this up. Automobiles are a thing. So you you it's actually a subplot point of horses versus automobiles and and the kind of the tension that this is creating and you know the old ways being replaced by the new ways. And then you have the African stuff, and it's like the aristocracy and the sense of honor being replaced by money as the new mm-hmm. aristocracy. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating to see these things kind of like clash, but the whole time. So there's this, there's this evil banker guy and he finds out that this guy has prostitutes in a home. And instead of kicking out the prostitutes, he makes them like do like, you know, sadism to each other. So me and Jen are like, skip, 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 skip. Okay. They're still talking. Skip, 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 skip. skip. Oh, they're beating yeah. each other. Skip, 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 skip. And then at one point the, the prostitute, like later on, she goes, why do you make us do this? And he's like, don't you understand? The pleasure is in the power over others. And I was like, skip, 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 skip. And then I stopped and I was like, that's Joffrey. That is oh, yeah. Joffrey yeah, and the totally. horrible things. And he's a sadist. And, and you, so you see like this undercurrent of money corrupting the, the, the insatiable desire for power is always a consuming, like you're consuming humans. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it has some pretty interesting things to say. So there were elements I, I totally had to skip because uh, of its pornographic content. So obviously all the all the caveats there if if the if you are someone prone to this stuff then don't watch the show and don't convince yourself you need to watch it no one needs to watch anything but um i thought it was and even shannon shannon was like can we watch it i'm like Ugh. i ended up skipping half the indian scenes at first because it was just so violent and so like you knew it was coming and once i kind of understood what was that like the dynamic i was like oh we're skipping this we're skipping this and then later when uh, i don't want to spoil any of it but Let's just say tables are turned. I watched all of it. I like I rejoiced in Catholics dying, because it was so because it was <laughs> yeah. so horrible what they were the doing. Like, yeah, right. But that's the thing that you're like, oh, this show is this is painful. So that that 1923 is the other thing that I thought was it, it's incredibly well. I haven't watched 1883. I haven't watched anything of Yellowstone. I hear Yellowstone's just like that. So, um, are you yeah. a Kevin Costner fan? I love Kevin Costner. Yeah, same. I watch I watch Waterworld at least twice a week. I feel like people. <laughs> I, I feel like we're as young as you can be and still have a deep love for Kevin Costner. Oh, feel the dreams. My parents oh. love that movie so much. I love that movie. Dances with Wolves. I watched Dances that over and over again. I haven't seen any. Soundtrack's incredible. But yeah, I loved Feel the Dreams. I loved like uh, the Untouchables. Anything with um, Kevin oh, Costner. I was like, yes, yeah. please. Yes, please. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Sign me up. I we we watched um because I read uh, parts of Robin Hood to the kids. We watched Prince of Thieves. Oh, Robin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one. I I remember I watched that a while ago. And I was like, this doesn't hold up as well as I. Remember. It does not hold up as well. But, but Brian Adams, man, sing that song. Everything I do, I do it for you. I'm in the fifth grade dancing thing, too scared to ask <laughs> Tristan Sellers to dance, and this song's hitting my soul. Can I tell you the worst thing about middle school dances? <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that they exist, yes. 
Oh man, middle school dances are awesome. No, it, okay. The, the, let me just issue a little warning. This is going to get a little graphic, but the <laughs> uncontrollable, spontaneous boners. Right? <laughs> like this was <laughs> this was the plague of being a boy in middle school. Right? Right, Luke? Right? The old tuck and go. The old tuck and go. <laughs> so oh there my was god, a, <laughs> we're so in trouble. But there was a kid. Yeah, there was a kid who was an eighth grader, and I was a seventh grader, and. Me and the seventh grade boys, we quote unquote dated all of the eighth grade girls and our friend, the eighth grade boys, they were just nothing. So they hated us. So this kid who was actually really funny, Nick, he would run up to all the boys who were slow dancing with girls with their hips slightly arched away from the girls so as not to be horribly embarrassed. He would run up and he would grab the lower backs of the boy and the girl and smash them together. I shouldn't laugh at that. I shouldn't laugh at that. It was the most horrific moment of my life. Oh my gosh. I gotta go to the bathroom. As a parent now, like, this is why I don't think I would let everybody go to a dance for the, like, I just. (laughs) Kadiri did that. Kadiri did that. Her first dance, I like. So funny. Oh, yeah. So there's a homeschool family here and they decided the, 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 the kids who are married and graduated wanted to have uh, their are like professional dancers. There's like a thing called the Wranglers, and they teach you like how to really dance. So they were like, yeah. "We want to teach the kids." It, it was literally Luke. It was as close to Goblet of Fire as you could find. That's These awesome. Kids who have been involved in like homeschooling and all this, so they all That's know each awesome. other. They all know their lives, and then it's like these this man and this woman are going to come, and they're going to teach you how to actually. They did swing dance. How to actually yeah. swing dance? Yeah. Which led to watching Swing Kids and all this stuff. <laughs> actually swing and it was. They were like, now it's time to watch Swingers. Okay, here's um, Vince Vaughn. He's going to be huge in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is an, but, this is like an archetype we're all going to love for for a bit. It's going to peak with a thing called Old School, the nominal movie. <laughs> so they they did that dance, and it was it was all. I wasn't there. We had, they had a ton of chaperones stuff like that, but it was all like I knew ninety percent of the people that were there. Yeah, and yeah. and it was. All the nervous energy, excitement. Who did you Sweaty dance with? Who palms. didn't you dance with? Did you see someone didn't dance with anyone? Oh no, they actually did get to dance. Oh, did you hear so and so asked this boy to, or this boy asked so and so to dance? Like it was all of that and more. So yeah, it was good fun. Oh, good man, fun. good times. Um, what for you? Like, uh, I want to get to this bullet point here, and then we'll, let's spend like maybe five minutes on on this. What are the uh, like your great shows? Like, what's <sighs> your best of the best? Yeah, so I would have gone to, you know, Breaking Bad, like the standard, right? Breaking Bad, Mad Men. But then the more I thought about it, I was also thinking about how much I loved the British um, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, Cumberbund, um, um, Sherlock Holmes. It's the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that was great. I loved those. Particularly in the beginning. Yeah, it was great. Yes, yes, yes. And He was phenomenal uh, on that. Why did I just say? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I thought I, I remember I was like, what are some like longer form shows that I love? But then when I was gone at Seek and I came home, we were we were putting on an episode of Reacher, which Reacher, I think season two is probably better than season one. But we were watching me and Shannon watch it. And I saw Band of Brothers came on and I was like, you know what? That definitely qualifies HBO one yeah. hour shows, 10 of them in a row. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I was I, like, I, yeah. yeah, that show is is damn near perfect. I, I would agree. I, I've, I've, it's kind of funny that you brought that up. It's, this is why I actually, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this. I watched the first 
two and a half episodes or so this past last last week. I had them on in the background while I was doing some like some work and you and Shannon are the same person. Go on. I oh my gosh. I love <laughs> Yeah. I, I love that show. I try really, really do. I, I think yeah. Band of Brothers is one of the, I mean, if I if I had time to if I were to, like if you were to basically um say, Hey Luke, here's like a list of all, all of all the shows of the past twenty plus like so let's say twenty five years, pick your top five. I, I think it would it would have to be. It would have to be. I I may even have to put it in my top three. It may even be top two. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest with you. It's so good. What what is it about Brandon Brothers? Like, like, just ignore all of the writing, all that stuff for a bit. Like, just think yeah. about like what it's about. This like what to you? Like, what makes it so great? Oh, what makes it so great? Every I care about every single character. Mm-hmm. Right? There's not a side character. That's you know any anything that anyone that has significant runtime, I care about them. Uh, the mouthy Italian, right? Garnier, Com- yeah. Uh, winners, you know mm-hmm. all the even even like the the perfect way that it's set up with the, the what's his name Ross what's his real name you know oh um Lieutenant um Sobel. Yeah, so his character, David, uh, David, yeah, David Schwimmer. Schwimmer, his character is so perfect for the role that he did. Like he nailed it, and mm-hmm. and the whole uh, um, was it Camp Curahy, Curahy, uh, that whole Curahy, yep. that whole first episode where you hate him. You know, he's yelling "Hiyo Silver." You know, he has this this cartoonish image of whatever, but he also wants his men to be the best and he wants them to hate him is if that means giving him their best but then he sucks in the actual field and like all of the things that they did like there was and then winners is so intense like there is not a single leadership lesson that you cannot derive like this is what it means to be like uh not just a good man but good at being a man that that phrase like yeah yeah every aspect every one of them is it just nails it. And the fact that this really happened, and these are mm-hmm. real men who really suffered through. I mean, think about airplanes. I mean, they were a one war earlier. They were physically holding a bomb in their hand and throwing it out the open cockpit <laughs> plane. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go, Johnny. Yeah. To now yeah. men are jumping snap out, out of... Yeah, they're jumping out of airplanes. They're yeah. jumping while they're getting shot at and machine gunned to death. Like, I mean, the horror... And the bravery, I and and you feel it. I think you feel it from episode two onwards. Oh, totally, like totally nail biting levels of oh my gosh, like you saw some stuff. Every death that happens, the oh, guy that um, the the lieutenant, the super fast guy. Oh, lieutenant uh, uh, Spears. Yeah, Spears and his nihilist philosophy. Like I remember having a, a whole conversation in my von Balthasar class about his character, and. You know, the thing you haven't realized is that we're already dead. The shell-shocked episode where that guy was shell-shocked. Yeah, got, yeah. Yep. Like, uh, oh, perfect. Like, they don't, they, and you didn't feel like he was just, like, a coward. You knew there was something else going on there. And, and uh, yeah, the crazy thing is not just that he ran, but that he ran back. Like, back. all, every yeah. episode is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's, um, th- th- 
what I love about Band of Brothers is it is something worth striving for. Yes. That type of character, that type of the ability to endure that is something worth striving for. Uh, I mean, like one of the things I like, one of the lines I love in Monarch, I, I really do. I think this is a great line. It's like, and this is what's great about TV is TV, I think almost uh, more than any, uh, any other medium, they can like per, they can per, uh, provide you with lines you can use as like, I forget the right word, like, like a maxim or something, you know, mm, yeah, magazine. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you can, whenever you're perusing Maxim magazine, the yeah. airport. The one that I felt that was like, you know, okay to read. Yeah, no, it was not. <laughs> in, like, enter like narrator. It was not. Um, <laughs> but it, like, there's a line where it says, you know, like, you have to go through something. And I've been, I'm thinking about that as I'm like going to like a job search because like job search, it like, yeah. um, sucks. But the only way to do it is just to go through it. I love that line. So this is an ad, but this is an ad that, I mean, they didn't ask for this ad. They didn't, they're not paying us for this ad. I'm doing this because I think this is super important. A lot of guys know Anthony D'Ambrosia. Oh, Anthony, I hope I pronounced your last name right. I'm so bad at that at times, uh, and it's a long day. He's making a film on St. Maximilian Colby called Triumph of the Heart, and I have been following his adventures with this film, particularly on LinkedIn, and I genuinely believe in this project. The film looks incredible from the little I have seen of it on the, on the Kickstarter page. It's kind of been described as uh, Passion of the Christ meets 12 Angry Men, uh, two incredible movies. Uh, 12 Angry Men is arguably one of the greatest films of all, of all time. And Anthony's vision for this, it's pretty cool. Let me just I'll read you a quick, a quick paragraph. In Trump of the Heart, St. Colby joins nine condemned men in a starvation bunker and fights to forge a brotherhood of hope in the darkest of places on earth. And what, I lo- what I'm really excited about this film is uh, this line right here. Uh, Most stories about Colby end when he volunteers to take the place of a prisoner in an Auschwitz hunger, uh, hunger cell. Our story starts there. So they need right now on the Kickstarter page, they're about 4000 into a uh, $20,000 goal. They have about two months to do this. I, I'm, I'm asking you to go and give $5. I'm asking you to go and give $2. I'm asking you to go, you know, we could, if everyone, I, I, I hate when people in the fundraising do this, but I'm going, going to do this right now. If all of you that are listening gave five bucks, we'd hit the $20,000 goal easily. Easily, so I, I'm I'm asking you to please give five dollars to this. We need movies like this. I I am almost in tears taking a look at a couple of these images that are on here and of the trailer that's on here. This is really, this looks really really good. This looks really important, and this looks really good. And I've seen the struggle that uh, Anthony has gone through to get this thing made and. I don't know. I, 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 gosh, I wish I could have, I wish I could give him so much to make. I wish I could fund this whole thing to make it happen. I wish, um, I'm in, like tempted for, for our business to take out a loan and just give it to him and trying to find a way to make it work. Like, I, I just, I really believe in this. I can just tell that Anthony really believes in this. I, this is an incredible story it's, that seems like it's going to be told in a, an incredible manner. So there's, there's, a, uh, there's a link to the Kickstarter on here. I'm asking you to go and just check it out. Please just give a couple bucks, uh, help get this made. Right now, our world is in a really just, I don't know, we're kind of in a shitty spot, everyone. There's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hurt, and there's just a lot of stuff. And we need Maximum Colby. You know, he's my patron saint. And I've always felt like I've kind of like failed to live up to him in a lot of different ways or failed to like, I don't know, 
he's an important person. He's a very important saint. And he's someone who, you know, he like, he faced the worst. I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, the man, for those of you guys that don't know, Colby is, is a saint of the, of the Catholic Church who was starved to death by the Nazis in Auschwitz. He was a Catholic priest who was put there for being a Catholic priest and being anti, uh, being anti um, Nazis. And he, uh, he volunteered to take the place of, of, a married man of, of uh, a married man who was condemned to starve to death, and he's a heroic individual. He's considered to be a martyr within the church, and he's everything that I wish I was. He's someone who deeply cares about others, has a deep heart for the Blessed Mother, someone who willingly gave of himself over and over and over and over and over again. You know, he had a publication that had one million sub- subscribers at one point in time. He was doing stuff and had every reason to keep going and to find a way to to live. Instead, he found a way to die, a way to give and a death that like gave meaning and gave a married man life. And it's a story that it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and it's the stories that we need to hear right now because we're constantly faced with death and um. You know, you you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain, right? We need stories of heroes right now more than we ever have. And this is a real hero. This is a person who gave up his life and whose story deserves to be told in a beautiful way. There's like a Terrence Malick vibe to some of these images from the film. I'm really like, I honestly, I'm in tears almost taking a look at like some of these images. This is, I've been to where Colby died. It was a really powerful moment. For me, you've heard me talk a bunch of times about my experience at at Auschwitz, and so I just, yeah, I'm gonna go and donate right now. You know, I can only really give five bucks right now, but I'm gonna ask you guys to please, 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 please do the same. We need this. We need this right now, and we need you to help make this happen. So, go to the link in the show notes. It's on Kickstarter. If you can, you can even just Google the name "Triumph of the Heart." It's a film again by our buddy Anthony D'Ambrosia. I believe we're going to have him on at some point time soon to talk about it. But yeah, this is this is important. This is a really important thing that that needs to happen. So I'm asking you guys. Uh, there's like some like legit people who are I'm working on this. He was talking about in, in the trailers people who've worked on Who, people who have worked on a Mission Impossible, The Chosen. Um, this is like the actors. It was really cool to see as he was casting different people. They've got all the film, all of the principal. F- all the principal photography has been done. There's a ton of stuff that also like happens in post production after after the fact, and that's what they need, they need to to do. That's what that's what your money is going to go towards. Um, most films don't make money ever, and most films barely get made because films are extremely expensive to make. And so, uh, what a gift we can give to to the world by having this film be out there. I think it's super important. And I'm just yeah, I'm asking you. I would like for you all right now to hit pause. And go on to Kickstarters and give four or five bucks to back this film. I think it's going to be incredible. So thank you for doing that. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Like in Band of Brothers, there's just so many things that I pull from in my own life as inspiration, particularly like how to suffer, how to endure. How to, I love how you said about Dick Winters. Like it's not just the man that you want to be, but how to be a man. Yeah. You know, like he, like as good as um, Sobel is at training those men, he sees through Sobel's bullshit really early on. Yep. And so he's, and where you have um, a guy who's a great actor, Ron, I'm um, Livingston, whatever the guy from uh, Office Space. 
He's yeah. like he's a genius. I had a guy in like in prep school who was just oh, who was just like him. And then uh, Dick like Dick Omovinner's goes, um, Mozart's a genius. Like he's like this <laughs> this like he understands that that yeah. type of attitude, that kind of like hard nose. I'm going to be a dick, but take a look at how much you're going to grow has 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 like a limit to it. Yep, and a very hard limit. A very yeah, and like once you hit that, like it's actually detrimental. Yep, and how and how incompetent um, Sobel actually is after the fact. So it's yeah. like good at like a drill sergeant if you just be that then that's all but like like he's almost like a like acted like he's too harsh on them almost yeah you know and and it's um and seeing like and it is amazing the cohesion of the unit out of hatred for him yeah versus the cohesion of the unit out of love for winters yes right yes. like that's these are the point. other things it that's is better to be point. loved than to be hated or feared you know yeah yeah and i and i think it's a, it's a show like I, I I think it's a show like worth watching to talk about. This is what healthy masculinity looks like. Yeah, to me, it's a great counter um narrative to toxic um masculinity because you see like this is why this is what healthy and good brotherhood actually um looks like. It's like the great I'm a Shakespeare line like he who I mean this is where they steal it from he who shall shed his blood with me will be my brother. One of the great ways for it group of people is to come together is to go through hell yeah and like and what helps you through that is the power of other people and of community what and like how you need people like they call each other out for their bullcrap and they're not afraid to like they put the group first you know and if you don't yeah. you get called out for it and but there's also like i mean i love like the line um part in episode two where Garnier, I almost called him Gonorrhea. Uh his um that's his nickname. Uh his, you know, like we 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 know that his brother died and he shoots like a bunch of Germans and he keeps going even after being told to stop and he gets pissed off at Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Um Winters and under his breath calls him a Quaker. And it's not till the end of the episode where uh Lieutenant Um Winters he makes a comment to him saying, Hey, and by the way, I am not a Quaker. After he takes a shot of alcohol. Yeah. 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 And they all like at at the at the end of D Day, and they're all laughing about it. It's like he knew that Garnier needed to like he needed to call him out, but he needed to give him the space to be angry at him for calling him out because yeah. he went through a horrific thing. Yeah, and it's like you can have both. Yeah, right. You can you can you you like can't I'm reprimand the man, and you can also give him the space to vent his his frustration about that because Garnier like he doesn't. He goes along with it. He doesn't try to. I mean, he has to, or he'll be shot. But like, he understands the chain of command. He understands that um Winters is right, but that he's also in a tremendous amount of pain. Yeah, and I, I just, I like that show is filled with things like that. Like the um, they're just they do such a good job of just of showing like healthy unmasculinity for the yeah. most part. You and know? brotherhood, and sucks. like yeah. male brotherhood, yeah. and and what like. The uh, okay, so let me, here's my my favorite winner's line, right? Uh, he he has a new a new guy helping him, the blonde haired dude. I can't remember his name. It's like around episode four or Buck. five. Buck, oh no, thank no, no. You. wait, no, no, it's not. It's it's in the first one. If is it, it? If it is it the one about the gambling? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's, I, it's, for some it's, reason, it's I thought it was during the first one. That's fine. Yeah. So they're driving, and he's telling him not to gamble. He's like, oh, come on. Little gambling's fine. Blah, 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 blah. And as he pulls up to drop off, he said, never put yourself in a position where you can take from these men. And when you think about 
failures in leadership. I cannot think of a greater way to say that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, other than our Lord who said, if any of you would be first, you must be the servant of all. Like, this is the, another way of phrasing that. Like, to honestly, to, to look at your people as, I have the great burden of responsibility to serve you. Like, your life and livelihood is my responsibility. So even in jest, I don't ever want to put myself in a position to take from you. Never, ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it, we did that one. I also want to, I, I was saying this to Shannon today. I want to, I, I never watched the Pacific one. And I, a lot of people have never seen the Pacific, which is kind of like the sequel, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, like for me, this is why I never saw Pacific. Because I love the men of Band of Brothers. I just don't know if I was ready to love again. <laughs> you know, like that was yeah. real. It was like this was so good. This is too similar. I don't know if I can love it. Scott and I watched like two episodes back in like 2010, 2009. Yeah. And I remember being like, okay, it's not bad, but it's just, it's just not, there's something about the characters that group that is just so captivating. And yeah. you just want to know everything you can about them and cuz you truly like you're right, like you grow to love them and it's like yeah. 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 So do doing that stuff for the uh for the it's <laughs> so stupid but all this stuff that i'm doing for the this book that i'm writing right i'm studying a lot of judaism and i literally have garnier's line just yeah pricks the son of abraham <laughs> and then the guy what jumps down and he's like oh crap i'm jewish and congratulations or whatever he says. yeah <laughs> and then he scene. says a, yeah, a line now we were to say we'd get canceled <laughs> but it's so funny <laughs> it just that that scene runs through my head all the time when like when Jesus talks to Zacchaeus and he says, this one too is the son of Abraham for salvation has come to his house. I just think like, yeah, <laughs> we're well, all sons like, of Abraham. Well, Settle down. Says, Italian. I, I got to tell you, like, I'm on one thing. He, uh, he ain't Catholic. He doesn't drink. Yeah. I was like, that's true. We are alcoholics. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh. So, um, what? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I'll just add always. Uh, I think that um, Mad Men's the greatest show of all time. And everyone should watch it. Anywho. And and you include the last season, yes. A lot I of people hated to. the last season, but because they're I, idiots. Yeah, fair enough. But I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't true. seen the last season, and I, I regret not. So I need to. Yeah. I need to watch. You should. It. I, I mean, I, like, it's, it's okay. Sure, there's some slow parts, but like, if you understand everything that is, because you have to like think. You have to think yeah. about everything that is going on and where he is and where his head's at. So it's like, yeah, he's not doing the cool ad here because his life is falling apart. Yeah, I he's love the line. My thread. I love the line that you said. He took. The the show is about him, you know, he took a good man's name and did nothing with it or whatever it was. Yep. And yeah, I think that's powerful. So Mad Men and, and Breaking Bad is fascinating because my wife hated it because she said, I don't like this show because it's about the wearing down of a good man. And like, here he is, a good husband. He's a good father. The money situation then drives him to more and more and more and more insanity and evil and all this stuff. And I said to her, that's kind of why I like it. Uh, you better watch out. I'm on the same path <laughs> ever since Catching Foxes started. But um, yeah. <laughs> no, but for me, it was. it was Say my name. Yeah. Catching Foxes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say your name. Luke works at, at the Diocese of Cincinnati. He's not allowed to say his full name. No, but it was the, to me, it was like, this is original sin on parade. It's like, the ex- he now has an excuse to be as evil as he wants to be or can be in a certain in a certain i I don't want to overly spiritualize it but it's like the evil is already within us 
And now there is the circumstances, everything. Like most people don't go from I owe a hundred thousand dollars in medical bills to pay for my cancer to now I'm gonna be the best meth dealer in the history of the world. Elements of him, like his pride, because there's that the gray, the gray matter um mm-hmm. episode, like where you find like, oh, he pulled out to go be a high school teacher and this guy became a billionaire. I could have been a billionaire. But I'm and not and it's his pride. The girl. Yeah. 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 His pride feeds more and more. And you see like the like what happens when pride runs amok because then it is about becoming the best meth producer and it is about being big and it is about becoming uh whatever his name is what, what is his name i'm uh say my king? name huh um heisenberg heisenberg am heisenberg, i i am yeah. heisenberg you know who i am say, say my name, name. Wait, I mean, which that scene was one of the most incredible scenes ever yeah i, I it, it is like the only thing i would disagree with your incredible wife who um i both i'm a love and adore I don't think he's a good man. I yeah, think that, he, that's what I was saying. Yeah, this is the oh, evil okay, okay. within him that's yeah, coming I, out the whole time. I, I think in I think he is actually like a one of the worst. Not that one of the worst. I mean, it's being a little hyperbolic, but he is like the nice guy who he 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 is bitter, mm-hmm. and he he is he is a mediocre man who's not rocking the boat. Who's just going yeah. along? Who's who's like angry? Was like I gotta go to work. I gotta do my thing. He enjoys just enough of his of his life to not be miserable, but he's certainly not happy by any, any means necessary. Yeah. And like you see it, and this is actually a choice. I want to say this was what Brian Cranston did, but them in the costume department, his clothes in the beginning are extremely bland and very neutral. Yeah, it's he's not like he's nothing. You know, and he's and and it's kind of actually really interesting when you think like when you study people dealing with addictions, you see a lot of things about like in entitlement, like it you you go to, to these these ex, these extremes of like I'm crap to like I'm entitled to all of these things. And I think he is a person who is basically to a certain extent becomes addicted to the power and and that he that he experiences yeah. and he. The gateway for him to that is the entitlement that he has always carried around with him that he has refused to let go of. And that's, and at the end, at the very, I mean, spoiler alert or breaking bad, but when he says, you know, I always said I did it for you and for the family, but that's a lie. I did it for me. Yeah. And you could actually argue that he may have been able to have been a better man if he did more stuff for himself in the sense of not like, acting for but like if he acknowledged what he wanted yeah and he said this is this is what i want so how do i deal with that mm. how do i go about getting the things that i want or that i feel like like because like what you're most going right men, into mr no more mr nice guy territory well yeah true but like what, what most men want aren't necessarily bad things he, they want to provide they want to be yeah. they want to be good at what they're doing those aren't yeah. bad things but what happens is when you either become entitled to that or then that on a that on a distorted version of that on steroids is is what is like Heisenberg. And yeah. then like ultimately it destroys everything, yeah. which is like like what like evil does. Like evil doesn't it doesn't just impact you. It impacts everyone around you. And it, mm-hmm. it, it destroys his family. It ruins his neighborhood. It ruined. It gets tons of people killed because of his entitlement dozens die and have and have to suffer yeah yeah 
Yeah, and I, I would I would go right along with that. You know, he was getting high in his own supply, his own arrogance, his own yeah. power tripping, yeah. his own his own gross insecurity about who he is. And the other thing is to to bring in my nerdy philosophy stuff, Alistair McIntyre. We've talked about this before, but the contrast between virtues as the goods inherent in a thing in a practice versus external goods. So there's internal and external goods. So let's say you're uh, a chess player. There are goods that are internal to being a good chess player. But then there are external goods. Let's say you get a, um, an ounce of fame and notoriety. You get money. You get sponsorships like basketball. Think about that. Football, whatever. You get fame. I don't know why I went to chess. <laughs> you, you know, all those <laughs> bitches be loving chess players. <laughs> you become the queen's gambit, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. But so one of the things that destroys us, and I, and I literally was just talking about this the other day with, um, with a priest about how I, I believe the gravest danger of church workers, church employees, um and and especially famous priests famous bishops and whatnot is like historically is the love of money and the the money is an external good you can get it as a basketball player you can get it as a this as a that but it can become inherently corrupting because it yokes you to doing a thing for the money instead of for the the money comes as a result of doing the thing well right and so you can easily shift from the walt disney perspective which was his original thing is we don't make great movies so that we can make money we make money so that we can make great movies that was one of his like early slogans mm-hmm. like yep. that's an idea of like prioritizing the internal goods what is good storytelling what is good art what is good music how do we blend these together to tell an incredible story that people will be dying to watch they would love it it becomes a part of their life versus how can we crank out a lion king 1.5 so that we get the monies how can we make more plushies and more whatever like that element becomes like you i definitely get the content or the feeling that content and ip matters more when you're obsessed with the external goods of making money and this is where the studio problems come in Mm -hmm. is studio executives tend to be looking outside of the story in order to make money well you know, no, this character needs to survive because we're going to have a ride named after her or we're going to sell a bunch of porgs. Uh, so we need these little plushy doll things. And can you create some cute little, you know, Ewok look like and then it ends up adulterating the storytelling or it could become a lot harder to tell good stories or whatever. And so when I look at Walter White, his character, he becomes obsessed with the external. Then it becomes about power and about money and about all this stuff. And this is the wrongness of the toxic masculinity thing. He's an inadequate man that is resentful and bitter and then becomes obsessed with power and status, what he was owed. And you yes. just see how corrupting it is. And and I think that story over the was it six seasons or eight? I think it's six. Six. Yeah, I think it was six. Because I think I remember saying six seasons in a movie, which is from community. Which Yeah, it's so powerful. I'll 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 add like one thing as we kind of get to this last last part. One of the dangers of television is that sometimes the shows can go on for too long or we can actually become too enthralled with the characters you see this with the sopranos towards the end the creator got a little bit angry and i think the actor too towards the audience because they're like you're not supposed to like him he's a bad person (laughs) who's becoming worse yeah and john ham has talked about this with with which is why if i ever were to interview john ham which won't ever happen but let's just say like i don't know if i would i would would be hard-pressed to not bring up mad mad men to be very um, difficult for me to do that but like i get the impression he doesn't always like i think he gets annoyed with like don draper's not a good he's not cool like yeah. he's a monster yeah he's a monster 
and he's a monster who's trying. He's a monster who's, but like, like he can be horrific. And I wouldn't be surprised if I think he's even said how his alcoholism to a certain extent was like having to be in that. It was like, well, sorry, let, let me take that. I, I don't know if he's, if he blamed his alcoholism per se on like being in that, in that headspace for a long time, but he did say he was I'm looking forward to being done with that show. Cause he was tired of being in Don Draper's heads. He's, he's like, he's yeah, a dark yeah. man. Yeah. And to be there for a long period of time. And I think sometimes why I tend to like the British way of TV shows like there, because we want these shows to go on for as long as they can, the tend like it can become a way to like sometimes television i feel it can be a way to like experience things like going back to our our, um, conversation earlier to experience things without it without having to actually experience them which isn't necessarily bad that's kind of part of a story it's like what would you do in this case but like it can be it can sometimes glamorize evil and i think tony soprano is a great example of this is an evil man an evil man that a lot of people grew to love in a way that was probably a little bit like even the creators were like hey maybe not yeah, how funny is it that, like, usually, like, so a lot of people complain against Disney because of what they're doing to Indiana Jones and the Star Wars characters. Yeah. Where the fan of, like, no, we're the, we are the fans and we get to dictate the art and all this stuff. And this is what these people mean to me. And in a certain sense, I, I side with the fans more often than not because you're like, right, because this is the story that was told and now you're just ruining the story. But yeah. one of the things that is interesting, I think you're I think you are so exactly right with the TV shows is when they become popular, the that that equals number one, that equals money for the studio, right? Yep. Money for everyone involved. So who wants to kill the golden goose? Right. Yep. But that's what they do. The whole point of the golden goose story is, well, if it pops out a golden egg a day, why don't I cut it open and get all the eggs all at once? And it's so you kill the golden goose. And what they do is by our disordered attachment to these characters, we actually ruin the story and the character. Exactly. exactly. And the studio execs are more than happy to do that because it's like, well, then you'll stay for another season, another two seasons. But then everyone will say, looking back, yeah, but it jumped the shark at you know season X. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, like, that's that's like, pretty cool. Yeah. Even even with Mad Men, they split the last. It's really only um I think it's only like seven. They either did um seven or eight um seasons. It really should have been um seven. They yeah. split it in, in, into two, and there really wasn't a need to do that. It just, like mm. I think it, they they did spread that out a little bit. Was the writer strike during that? During no, because it ends no. in 2014, 2013, 20... I want to say okay before. I believe it was early twenty fifteen. It's like spring twenty fifteen is when it ends. So the writer strike would have happened more in like the third or fourth uh, season of, of the show. Okay, but like that gotcha. was the kind of show where they could take a decent amount of time off and just go and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it's so good. It's so I do. Good. I do want to say I want to close the show with this kind of thought. Yeah, please. Because we all know it. that I'm obsessed with YouTube and all things YouTube. But it's funny how YouTube. I, I don't think I'm going to go through all the stuff that I wrote in our little show notes. Show notes. Sorry. Um, sorry. I no, thought no. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. No. I. I, lo- I love this conversation. But like, it's funny where YouTube. So there was a big push about seven years ago, maybe six, where YouTube was trying to become television. Right. And it's before they spun out YouTube TV and all that stuff, but they were trying to become TV. So they started buying creators shows, people that had episodic content in order to fund them and turn them into full on television shows. And there's a there's a handful of creators that ended up going into traditional television, all that stuff. But what they began to do with their algorithms was favor 30 minute content or longer. So they began to shift and. My my favorite podcast is Cortex with CGP Gray and Mike Hurley. 
and they 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 release an episode like once a month, once every or something like that. But uh, CGP Gray creates educational YouTube videos that are about ten minutes long, and his stuff like he talks about like i remember when youtube is is finally famous it's building it's kind of ubiquitous you know michael scott has that great line when i first found out that youtube exists i didn't work for like three days you know like all that (laughs) stuff all the things of like the like the original colbert report episodes that were on and and john stewart's daily show like i saw 90 percent of those pirate those episodes were pirated uploads from on youtube Mm -hmm. and then and they were like yes more of this this will only make our show popular so there, there's a lot of like cool stuff in the early days, but it was like all these independent creators and the really good ones could attract an audience. But then YouTube wanted to court television studios. Basically, they thought they thought with the old school mindset of legitimacy means I need Paramount, I need NBC, Fox, uh, you know, ABC. Well, I guess ABC is all Disney, but um, and they wanted to bring them in to youtube and so they incentivized creators to make television like content and they were trying to pull traditional shows or traditional studios onto the platform and it's fascinating to see how instead for me what i found was it it just became crappy content for the most part of what youtube or what normal television was like i love do-it-yourself television shows i love all those you know fixer-upper and stuff but the thing I hate about it is they don't actually tell you how to do the damn thing. They just show people and they skip <laughs> huge chunks of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then you go into like these bathroom remodel because we're watching tons of these videos for our bathroom. And like there's episodic content of people who can actually produce serious television on YouTube. Like, it's like this whole market that I, you know, basically it's like one step up from a vlog, one step down from like a, a, a real like studio television show. But they're so insanely popular. Like, you know, they'll have views in hundreds of thousands, which is a sustainable income if you have these that level of views. And it's content that is exactly what I'm looking for. And to me, that's the gift of YouTube. It's this bizarre middle ground between the five minute yep. fun, you know, or whatever. But then it becomes, but the, the, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Like for me, that's where I am all in with YouTube. It's the exact thing I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I want to talk a lot more about this. Okay, we'll say. How about that's the preface? We'll save it for next yeah, week. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. <laughs> Everyone, this was very fun. If you have enjoyed this, now more than ever, patreon.com slash cf. <laughs> please, please, now, now more, more than, than ever. ever. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not going like, to lie to you and say that there's going to be stuff. You, you'll get like a, you'll get a, a sticker and either a shirt or, or, or a thing after like a, on a set period of time that's only available through pa- pa- Patreon. And they're good uh, stuff. Like they're good. They are. Like yeah, the designs actually, are great. I love the sticker. Yeah. Oh, the well, content the is because um, Nat is so good. The person who makes the, the design, who designed oh, yeah. that, you did a great job. But anyways, patreon.com slash and Patreon fulfills it, not us. So you will. Yeah. Always so you'll actually get it. Yeah. You'll actually get everything it. that we've pledged has just fallen through. So we got to redo that. I'd be like, we're promising nothing. Enjoy. <laughs> Look <laughs> at me. Look at me. I'm nothing. Nothing. Uh, uh, yeah. Dang it. So- yeah. So today, Luke, uh, is first day of school for my kiddos. So uh, it's been crazy. And so we started off by my wife's van not working. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, there's a whole host of stuff. So and big things on the horizon. Who knows what's going to happen to my yeah, life I know. right now. Yeah, All right, y'all. Stay classy. Franciscan, thanks for sponsoring us. Love y'all. Bye.
Joe probably cut that part out. 